So anybody understand any of that? Anybody? Awesome. <laughs> so in, in the spirit of inclusiveness, uh, we will be having a conference later in the year for people 17 and under and 81 and older. <laughs> so just relax. It's going to be okay. Today is Worldwide Communion Sunday. We are a part of something. We're, we're part of a body of Christ. Uh, it exceeds uh, and transcends ethnic and cultural and racial lines. Uh, it has no age requirement. Uh, it's, it's really more an organism than an organization. Uh, the body of Christ is global. The body of Christ is alive. It consists of all of those across the globe who have repented of their sins and put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ and him alone for salvation. Now, we've, we've been talking about the kingdom of God uh, in the past weeks, and, and the church is not the same thing as the kingdom. The kingdom of God is the reign of God. The church is the people of God. We are the church, you and, and me, you and I. We, we make up the body of Christ. Uh, the people of God, this, this people that make up the body, it, is held together. We're held together by the word of God, which tells us how to live. If you read through the pages of scripture, there's specific instruction that God has given us. This is how I want you to live. And so as a people, as a body, worldwide, we're held together by this instruction that the, that the Lord has given us in his word. It tells us how to live. We're held together by the presence of God who fills us and empowers us and gives us actually the ability to live the instructions that he's written. And we're held together by the heart of God. A heart that desires so much for us to live this life with him that he was willing to come and die on a cross in our place so that we could actually live. Uh, the church is a lot of things. The church is a family. Uh, the church is a community. The church is a hospital. The church is an army. Uh, today we want to look a little bit at uh, what is this global family uh, that we're a part of and, and what exactly is God's purpose in it. Uh, let's turn, if you, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, or if you just want to look at the screen, we're going to read the first 13 verses. Somewhat familiar. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And how, what did we just do there? Went back to one. Are you trying to trick us? All right, eight. How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Pay attention. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they're filled with new wine. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today. We, we want to understand a little more deeply, a little more clearly, what it means to be a part of this global body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit falls and when revival comes to Jerusalem at Pentecost, it didn't matter where people were from. It didn't matter what language they spoke. We have a list, and we're going to go through this list. Uh, the Parthians and the Medes and the Elamites, that, that would be modern-day Iran. Uh, Mesopotamia, that would be Iraq and Kuwait and western Syria. Uh, Judea would be both Israel and Palestine in the Holy Land. Cappadocia, Pontus. Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, that would be Turkey. Egypt would be Egypt. <laughs> and Libya would be Libya. Uh, Cretans, I, every time I read that, I think of Star Trek. Were there Cretans in Star Trek? But the Cretans, those were people that lived on the Isle of Crete, which is a part of Greece. And then there were Arabs. Uh, we're talking about the Arabian Peninsula, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, Oman, United Arab Emirates, Qatar, and Bahrain. In other words, the entire known world. This was the entire known world. This gathering, Pentecost, in Jerusalem for worship, there were people from all over the known world gathered in Jerusalem to worship. And that's when the Holy Spirit fell. That's when Pentecost happened. Coincidence? 
or a strategic move by a sovereign God to spread the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit all over the world in a heartbeat. You know, it's exciting, even today, it's exciting to think about being united in worship with, with the body of Christ around the world. You know, today's World Communion today and, and day, and, and in a few minutes we're going to come to the Lord's table together and we're going to celebrate communion as a, as a family, as a Riverstone family, but we're also going to celebrate communion as a family, the family of God worldwide. And because this is World Communion Sunday, and I don't even know who makes those decisions, but somebody decided that today was World Communion Sunday. And so people all over the world, believers, Christians all over the globe, even if they don't celebrate communion every Sunday, will do so today. And so you and I, we have a chance today to come to the table of God, not just with people from Marietta and Kennesaw and Smyrna and Ackworth. But we have a chance to come to the table of the Lord with people from China and from India and from Kenya, literally from, from all over the world. We also come to the Lord's table today uh, with the churches in our network, uh, Stonebridge and Vintage and Sojourn and River City and Arise but also with churches down the street, uh, North Metro and North Star and, and First Methodist, because we're not alone. This is not a Riverstone thing. It's not just us. Now, I don't know if y'all are country, any country music fans. Anybody a country music fan not ashamed to say it? I saw hands kind of like this, you know. Okay, so. And who's the guy? Paisley? Brad Paisley? What's his song? Just You and Me, Jesus. We got it all worked out. That's so bad. I mean, it may be good, a good country song, but it's a bad theology song. Because never was it ever intended for just you and Jesus to figure the whole thing out. In the first place, Jesus figured it out without you. He didn't need any help from you at all. He figured the whole thing out by himself. And in the second place, his invitation is, is not just to you. It, it's to us. It's to the community of faith. It's to the family of God. He, he is inviting us. And, and part of the reason is because we need each other. We need each other. You, you are never intended to isolate yourself off in the wilderness somewhere with just you and Jesus. He calls you to be a part of a family. Pentecost was a monumental day and event in the life of the church. And we tend to focus, when it comes to Pentecost, on this outpouring of the Holy Spirit that, that resulted in revival, that, that was a, an equipping of the saints, this infilling of the Spirit that released spiritual gifts, right? Which is exciting. I mean, it doesn't get a whole lot better than that. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit that empowered the church to be the church that took a bunch of ragtag disciples who couldn't get it right and transformed them into men and women who changed the world. That's, that's a pretty awesome day. 
this outpouring of the Spirit, but also we need to recognize that Pentecost was a day of healing, it was a day of redemption, and it was a day of gathering. It was, it was a day of bringing together men and women and children from all over the world. In, in the Old Testament, we read the story of the Tower of Babel. It, it depends. If you can call it the Tower of Babel, or if you want to try to sound smart, you can call it the Tower of Babel. And I don't really care. But in the Old Testament, we have this story, the Tower of Babel. And <laughs> people come together, and they're going to build this tower. And here's their reason for doing it. They want to prove that they can get to heaven without God's help. That's basically it. It is an expression of their independence from God. We're going to build this tower and we're going to go to heaven and we don't need God's help to get there. So the goal of Babel was to reach heaven without God's help. And the result was scattering and dividing. Through what? Through language barrier. God scattered the people and, and put this language barrier in place that caused them to be divided. Now, what happens at Pentecost? At Pentecost, we see people who are gathered together in Jerusalem to pray. Jesus has told them, go to Jerusalem and wait. Don't do anything until the promise of the Father. And so you have this small gathering of people. The whole world has come to Jerusalem, but you have this small gathering in the upper room. And their purpose for gathering is the realization and the knowledge that they can't do anything without God's help. God's, Jesus has already told them what their assignment is. He did. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. He's told them, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses. There will be power upon you, and you will be my witnesses. They knew their assignment, but they also knew that they had no chance of succeeding in their assignment without God. And so in the Tower of Babel, they're gathering together, and they're wanting to build this tower to show that they can reach heaven without God's help. And at Pentecost, they're gathering together because they know that they can't do anything without God's help. United by their need for God. Where Babel scattered, Pentecost gathered. And where Babel created a language barrier, Pentecost removed it. Pentecost just removed the language barrier because Pentecost breaks Barriers. Now, I want to just say that there are churches all over the globe that work really hard and plan things out so that everything fits. They're brilliant people. They are brilliant people. They think everything through and they know how a worship service is supposed to flow. And so the prayers and the songs and the sermon and the videos and everything just kind of fits together and it's just this incredible flow. And we're not that smart. We're just not smart enough to do that, and so God does it for us. Brad, you didn't know what I was preaching on today, did you? And Austin didn't know, and so we've sung songs about what? 
We've sung songs about God coming and removing barriers, and Brad's prayed about removing barriers. And so here's what I want to say to you. Pentecost breaks barriers. Pentecost breaks barriers. Why does Pentecost break barriers? Because that's what Jesus does. Jesus breaks barriers. In fact, the gospel itself removes barriers. It removes the barrier that existed between God and you. It removes the barrier that existed between God and me. It also removes the barrier that exists or the barriers that exist between you and I. Because Pentecost and Jesus and the gospel are all about removing barriers. During Jesus' time on earth, there were several barriers that he removed. He removed barriers that existed between Jews and Samaritans. He removed barriers that existed between men and women. He even removed barriers that existed between adults and children. You remember the children want to come to him and the disciples are like, ah, children in the back, children in the back, close the door, keep them quiet. And Jesus says, let them come. Because Jesus is all about removing barriers. And, and here's another barrier that Pentecost eliminates. At Pentecost, God broke the distance barrier. He broke the distance barrier. Up until this point, the reason that the people came from all over the world to Jerusalem was because that's where they had to come to worship. They had to travel, some of them hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of miles to get to Jerusalem so that they could worship. But from Pentecost forward, people no longer had to come to Jerusalem to worship. They could worship at home in their own language. And they didn't have to do the Tower of Babel thing anymore. They didn't have to try to reach heaven because heaven had come to earth. Heaven had reached down to earth. So the question for most of us today is just what Brad prayed. What's in the way? What is in the way? What are the barriers that exist for you? About three weeks ago, it was on a Friday night, I was away from home with some guys uh, on, a, on a golf trip that we've been doing for about almost 20 years, 18 years. And it was Friday night, and uh, we, had, we had been staying up later than I, maybe normal for them, but later than I stay up. And uh, so by Friday night, after staying up till 2 o'clock on Wednesday and Thursday, by Friday, I really wanted to go to bed at 8. Uh, but I pushed myself, and I stayed up till. About 11.30. And with everybody else still outside playing cornhole and acting crazy, I, I went inside. And I went to bed before everyone else. And I, I, I went to bed and I, you know, I, I didn't really have any expectation except sleep. That's what I wanted was sleep. And I, I, I climbed up on this couch that I sleep, sleep on and on this trip. And, and I put my headphones in and it was, it was going to be a normal night. My normal routine. And my normal routine, just to kind of give you a little peek 
into Tom Tanner's world. My normal routine is that every night before I go to sleep, I listen to Corey Asbury's Endless Hallelujah. That's my song. Right now, that's my song. I listen to it every night before I go to sleep. So I plugged it in, put my headphones in, played Endless Hallelujah. The plan was listen to this song one time, pray for my wife, go to sleep. That was about 11.45. And I stopped praying at 4.45. I can't even adequately describe what happened during those five hours. Uh, the best description I can give you is visitation. I literally was in the presence of God for five hours. It was incredibly inconvenient. <laughs> I, I wanted to sleep. I needed rest. It was incredibly inconvenient. But, but the Lord just visited me, and, and I worshiped, and I wept, and I worshiped, and I wept, and I listened, and I wrote for five hours. And then he said, you can go to sleep now, but you have to wake up in an hour and cook breakfast for everybody. So that's what I did. Incredibly inconvenient and without a doubt, the greatest night of my life. What's your barrier? Is it convenience? Is it busyness? Unconfessed sin? Forgiveness? A lack of forgiveness? People that you need to forgive, people that you need forgiveness from. Barriers. Do you have barriers between you and God? Are you, have you positioned yourself to say or believe that nights like that don't really matter? That it's just about sticking to the plan, not wavering? Hey, I'd love to stick to the plan and never waver. I'm just not that good. And so I have an incredible value for visitation because I need it. I need the presence of God to move me back to center, to get me back on track. I need God to intervene in my life. Have you positioned yourself and formed a theology in your mind that won't allow you to experience a night of encounter or a, or a morning of encounter? Barriers. Maybe your barriers are, are not with God. Maybe your barriers are with, are with people. People that have hurt you or, or people that you've hurt. We avoid people that have hurt us, but guess what? We also avoid people that we've hurt. And it causes division in, in the body. And, and the body of Christ 
is not meant to be divided. We're supposed to be united. Culture divides us. Borders divide us. Skin color divides us. Politics, my word, politics divides us. But the church, the church, the body of Christ, the body of the risen Christ unites us. It unites us. It brings us together. And and you don't have to agree with me about everything. And I don't have to agree with you about everything. But we do have to agree that in Christ we are united. We are one. We are a body. We are brothers and sisters regardless of culture, regardless of politics, regardless of borders, regardless of gender, regardless of skin color, no matter, we're one. We're one because of Jesus. This is precisely what Pentecost was about. It was precisely what Pentecost was about. They came from all over the world, and Jesus caused them to speak with one language or to hear in their own language. But however he did it, he made them one. They came together from far and wide, and he made them one. Christianity is not you becoming like me. And Christianity is not me becoming like you. And and believe it or not, Christianity is not the rest of the world becoming Americans. (laughs) Christianity is you and I becoming like him. Becoming like Jesus. You know, context is something that really wasn't thought about that much in the early days of the missionary movement from America. The early days of the American missionary movement around the world was as much about making people Americans as it was about making them Christians. It really was. We we went out with the goal of westernizing the world. And we thought it was a good thing. And we didn't really pay attention to context. We didn't pay attention to culture. We didn't pay attention to traditions, the traditions of people. Uh, For example, my grandmother would say, You can't have drums in worship. But my friend Theo, who's planted 87,000 churches in Africa, would say, you can't have worship without drums. Context. And so again, the invitation, the invitation that we extend to the world is not come and be like me. The invitation is come and meet him. Get to know him. Be changed by him. World evangelism. It's not an invitation into the American church. It's an invitation to join the worldwide family of God. And you and I are part of that. And it is an awesome and wonderful thing.
the body of Christ all over the globe. If you feel alone today, let me just say, you are not alone. There are millions of men and women and children who stand with you today, whose heart is your heart, whose purpose is your purpose, whose assignment is your assignment. And together, together, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do this. Now let's pray. Jesus, I pray that as we come to your table today, that we would meet you here. And that we would know that this table unifies us. This table makes us one. It's what this table represents that removes the barriers that separate us. And so I pray that we would come today believing. Believing in the Son. Believing in the cross. Believing in the empty tomb. But also believing in the family of God. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to stand. I'm going to ask our servers to come and get in place. And, uh, we're going to go into a time of, of, of worship as we come to the Lord's table. And uh, I, just, I just want to encourage you to, today, as you come to the Lord's table, I, I want you to think about it, maybe differently than you, than you normally do. We say every time we serve communion, this is not a Riverstone table, this is the Lord's table, and that is the truth. This is the Lord's table, but as you come today, I want you to think, intentionally think in your mind, I am coming to the table of the Lord today with people from all over the world, not just Cobb County, the entire planet People all over the globe are coming to his table today. We are a part of this massive family, an incredible, unstoppable army. So come today, just think about that. And think about what an awesome privilege it is to be a part of such an incredible thing. Holy Spirit, I pray also that as people come today, that if, there, if there's anyone here today who, who would say, that I have barriers, things I need to get rid of, things I need to let go of, I pray you give them the grace today to give those things to you. Whether it's a boundary between them and you or a boundary between them and some other person, I pray that today, as they come to your table, they would say, Lord, I, I don't want to carry this around anymore. Here, you take it. So open our eyes. Lord, both to the reality and to the possibilities. Of who, the reality of who you are and the possibilities of who we can be because of you. In Jesus' name. Amen.